This episode may contain themes that are unsettling for some listeners and includes dialogue that is inappropriate for children under 14. Listener discretion is strongly advised. I'm Alyssa and I'm Brooke and this is for God's sake don't drink the Jones juice welcome to episode 52 hey guys hey hey how you doing how you doing forgive us we're a day late on this one but <laughs> seems to be the norm um one day we'll get our shit together we will we one will. day thanks for sticking it out with us though folks yes thank you um mm-hmm. it actually is really sad <laughs> how we do this <laughs> dude i'm not even gonna lie like my motivation has been like brr. mine has been too like i've been doing research day before and like yeah like busting ass trying to get it done and, or yeah. day of and it's just like <sighs> and it feels like as of late like there's always something going on with one of us always and then next week we have well next week wait no we'll do next week normal well i mean next week we have our trip so that week the following week we'll probably have that episode late because it may be yeah because we get back on tuesday oh that's right so we may be a day late on that one um so yeah, yeah that's something exciting we can talk about um end of next week guys we head to salem massachusetts and i am so excited but also so scared i'm so excited the only thing i'm scared about to be honest and this sounds so stupid is the rental car that's what i'm scared about like, too. what do i do well <laughs> so <laughs> so me and Britt could not find a rental car that wasn't like 150 dollars a day mm-hmm. um except for at this one place that's like what 20 minutes away from the airport mm-hmm. so we booked it and we're just really hoping that we can get an Uber there <laughs> and <Yeah>. then <laughs> somehow drop the car off on our last day and then get an Uber to the airport. That's what I'm scared about. We got this shit. I mean, I guess we could call a taxi because I think they just come no matter what. But yeah, we got um, it. We got it. I'm a little nervous. But I am very excited for the trip. Oh, I am too. I'm super excited for all the fun things we're going to do. I'm also kind of scared it might snow. Yeah. I'm scared about that. If it snows, we ain't leaving, so we might not get to experience much because Brooke ain't driving in the snow. <laughs> I would not drive in it either, Hell but we'd have no. to drive in it to to take the rental car back or to get oh it my and God. Then take it back. Tow truck, <laughs> <laughs> dude. Yeah, I know she booked it, and I was she was like, "Why do I have to be the driver?" And I was like, "Because you're the adult. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the adult. Yeah. She's the adultier adult. Yeah, yeah, whatever." If you say so. There's a 10-year age difference, so. Yeah, I know. I pull the kid card. <laughs> I'm a child. <laughs> I'm just a, a wee little child. <laughs> I love the responsibility on this. <laughs> <laughs> That's the great thing about 
having people that are way older than you is just give all the responsibility to them and you're just along for the ride uh, brooke's gonna be like i don't know what to do and i'm gonna be sitting in the passenger seat like i don't know watch them give me a stick shift or some stupid shit no we did not order a stick shift. <laughs> I know. and if they did we'd be like no uh, no we don't know how to drive this neither i need one. an upgrade <laughs> <laughs> but i think i think we'll figure it out even if um can't get i guess we'll just uber everywhere we need to go and if we can't find an uber <laughs> then we just will stay at our um beachside airbnb until it's time to go we got this we got this we do we do so yeah so that'll be fun that's some exciting news um in other news i did speak a little bit about this last episode but i have started a new venture and it is um oddities and and insects and skulls and all the creepy weird stuff so if you're into that kind of shit i need you to follow my instagram page and check everything out uh instagram page is quirky gypsy and i'm not even gonna try to spell it this time because last time i was like kill you uh <laughs> quirky gypsy it's pretty self-explanatory so go give me a follow and check out all the sh- cool shit i've been making brooke has been making some beautiful stuff i was just looking at some of it outside in her garage and it's very pretty so mm-hmm. having a lot of fun with it so oh before we continue on uh i just want to say because <laughs> oh. i forgot to do this last episode <laughs> until we had already been talking but Um, If you listen to our last episode, you would know that um, I've been advertising my brother's music. Mm -hmm. I've been replacing his songs with, or replacing his song with our, um, I've been replacing our theme song with his songs. Mm -hmm. So um, this song that played in our intro today is called Late. And you can check out his EP, the Heart and Soul EP. Um, I think it's on Spotify. Uh, I know, well, I know it's on Spotify, but that's the only place I know where it's at, but it's on a bunch of different platforms. I should have been more informed, but I'm not. Um, But his band is called Ronson, R-O-N-S-I-N, I I think. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, give it a a listen and... um, It's good shit. He's very talented and, um, uh, I mean... I know he's my brother, but uh, I genuinely just really love his music. I think he's very talented and just... He is. He puts his heart and soul... Heart and soul. Pun, pun, into, you know, all of his music, so... Absolutely. He's going to do big things. I really hope so. That's mm-hmm. his dream. Mm-hmm. We speak that into existence for him. Yep. Manifest it. Manifesting it now. All right. Anyways, um, anything else you get to say? Mm, no not really i want to talk a little bit about titus's halloween experience if that's okay yeah so this was the first year that um if you missed it in last episodes um my son titus has autism and um he was pretty much considered nonverbal. um and they kind of thought that he may never speak Mm -hmm. um but probably um close to his fourth birthday um he just started kind of talking dude it's crazy <laughs> yeah and now he just non-stop talks and i mean he's he's five and he still isn't um verbally where a five-year-old should be but it is incredible the amount of progress that he's made oh my so far gosh yes 
Um, he also wasn't, you know, because of the language barrier there, um, he was not very aware of holidays and stuff like that. So this was the first, um, Halloween where he understood what was happening. Mm -hmm. And so Scotty and I took him to, um, the festival in Covington and he, you know, uh, did a little, did, did, did the little trick or treat trail and slid on the slide and then we went and got pizza and then we went actual trick-or-treating i love um, it and let me t- let me just tell you it was so magical to see him just the little light in his eyes as he went to every house and knocked on the door and he would go up to the house and he would knock on the door and before the person would even get to the door and open it he would go trick-or-treat i love it and it was so cute and it was just so cute watching him That's get the so candy special too just because it is the first year he's really gotten it you know and that's yeah. just oh, that's so awesome. And now uh, today he um, had a bag of candy that he was eating on and um, he told Scotty that he wanted to go trick-or-treating and we were like, no, <laughs> buddy, we only do that once a year. And he was like, no, 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 daddy, come on. And he opened up the door <laughs> and went outside and then he knocked on it and went trick-or-treat oh. and I opened it and I was going to give him a piece of candy, but he handed me his candy. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> it was so cute, but... Oh. I don't know. It's just, it's just very, I don't know, wild seeing, you know, just so much progress in such a little amount of time, especially because, you know, there was this, you know, point of time where we didn't really think that this would ever be possible. Dude, I was there for that diagnosis. And when I say like, that was just heart wrenching, like it was like, and just to watch you and just as a mother knowing how bad that must hurt, you know, just hearing like your son may never speak to you, you know, and just it's, it is amazing how it's like one day he just like woke up and decided I'm going to talk. Yeah, it's one and never stopped. Right. Like, (laughs) it is incredible. It is such a blessing. It's it's just it's amazing. He says the most hilarious stuff. I don't even know where he learns any of it. (laughs) But he um, today we were in the car. And he was saying something about me being small like an ant. He was going to smash me like this. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like pinching my fingers together. Oh my and then he went, ha ha, mom, it's a joke. Oh. Funny. And I just died laughing because, I mean, I know that sounds normal, like what a normal kid would say. But, you know, Titus, just, yeah, it just, you know, it it's not something that we're used to. And it's just... Very nice to hear it. Every moment that he does something new is just like, oh. We're all so shocked and just in awe of this little five-year-old who's fighting to, Mm -hmm. you know, gain this progress. It's Mm -hmm. quite remarkable, I would say. It is awesome, awesome stuff. He's also just um, really favored by people, too. Um, Today, (laughs) we went to a Mexican restaurant (laughs) I was walking with him and uh, he just doesn't pay attention when he walks and he ran smack into a um a pole oh and a lady from across the restaurant went oh Titus are you okay and I was like how do you know my kid like he's so popular like people seriously anywhere I go people know him what and I'm just like what how do you know from my the son? school or I guess so yeah I hope so school. yeah me too yeah <laughs> They're taking my son around the That's hilarious. around the city. 
too but yeah, cute. It was weird. We were like, uh, 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 hi. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just wanted to brag about my son, which I don't do very often on here, but you I should. just feel like he really, you know, deserves yeah. for me to say something because it's, it really is crazy. Mm-hmm. He also does this thing. Somebody tell me where this is from, but he keeps going, mm, shalala, mm, shalala. <laughs> do you know what that's from? No. It's from something and I don't know what it is, but he keeps doing it. And I'm like, Titus, where did you hear that? He said, Titus did it. Like saying he made it up, but I know that's he gotta did it. It's got to be a song. It. Yeah. But he just will always just be like, mm, shalala. And I'm just like, I what? wonder if I played a song for him or something. Maybe. Huh. Maybe. But I have, me and Scotty are both very confused as to where that came from <laughs> hilarious so you'll figure cute. it out <laughs> oh, that's adorable anyways uh, well as far as my halloween guys this was the first halloween that i was shunned by my children like no mom you're we're not you know you're not Aww. cool um <laughs> we're on our own peace <laughs> later so yeah ah, that's fine <laughs> that's it sad. was still a little bit disheartening it's like uh, oh yeah okay well, could have came with us Yes, I could have. I spent the day just like laying in bed. It was nice, actually. Just I was about to say, it was peace probably and quiet. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So. I'm not looking forward to that day where Titus is like, no, mom. Yeah. You can't come because I'm cool and you're lame. And I'm like, dude, I used to wipe your butt. Exactly. <laughs> Stop. Shut up. <laughs> it's like Ansley is like, get out of my room. I need privacy. And I'm like, you came out of my privacy. Shut up. <laughs> 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 you literally came out of my privates bro like stop you've invaded me in a way that i will never invade you exactly stop <laughs> you need your privacy you came out of my privacy literally my mom there's this movie i used to watch when i was like 13 called angus thongs and perfect snogging and <laughs> at one point the mom is like really drunk and um she like comes in while her daughter's getting ready and the the daughter's like 14 turning 15 and um the daughter's like mad that she's like in her room and up in her space and the mom's like you're the fruit of my womb <laughs> and every time i would get mad at my mom she would always tell me that i'm oh the fruit God. of her womb and she could do whatever and i'm just like okay <laughs> If you guys know that movie, let me know, because that was my favorite movie when I was 13. I've never heard of it in my life. Yeah, well, <laughs> different generations, but... True that. God, it, just keep talking about my age. Brick is 75. 75. And I just 65. turned 75 last month. <laughs> God. Wait, seriously, how old are you? You don't know how old I am? You're... I want to say you're... 34 turning 35 correct okay i'll be 35 and oh next month Ooh. yeah god I'm, I'm old almost 40 dang how does that make you feel gross it makes you feel gross very crusty i'm gonna cry when i turn 30 30 uh, 30 didn't bother me too too bad yeah, i'm 40 devastated like gross that's like you could be a grandmother <laughs> at 40 i hope i'm not but yeah you're right it's absolutely possible oh my sorry god. to anybody 40 plus listening to us <laughs> we love you I'm like, I'm sitting here like, gross. (laughs) That's how I feel about turning 30. Like, it scares me. I know I'm going to have a mental breakdown when I turn 30 because my 20s have been a roller coaster of just insane bad stuff. Wasting my 20s. Nah. Oh, my goodness. 
Anyway. Anyway. Do we want to get on into the story? We do. All right. Well, let's do it. And uh, I am hoping, praying, keeping my fingers crossed that Alyssa has not heard this damn story. So. Let's place bets. I'm not betting shit. But (laughs) I'm hoping she has not heard this story. I I hope I haven't either. Because. Yeah. I want to do something new for you. I like to hear new stuff. All right, so this is The Suspicious Death of Michelle Von Emster. All right? Mm-hmm. My sources include talkmurder.com, not talk murder with me. That's the one that I like to use, but talkmurder.com, allthatsinteresting.com, sandygoreader.com, soapboxy.com, and Wikipedia. So Michelle Christine Von Emster was one of five girls, and she was born on August 2nd, 1968 in San Carlos, California, which is just outside of San Francisco. She was a free spirit. She loved cats and the ocean, and she surfed and swam frequently. In school, she excelled, and she graduated from an all-girls high school in 1986. So this would make her now the same age as my mom. Born in 68, Four days after my mom actually and wow. uh, graduated the same year so she went on to go to the respected saint mary's college however while in college michelle would get the shock of a lifetime she had leukemia oh no she had to put her education on hold and she spent a year doing radiation then she finally won her battle with cancer so go michelle go michelle With a new lease on life, Michelle decided that she would move eight hours south to San Diego to be closer to the ocean. Michelle bounced from rental to rental for a few years until she finally settled in somewhere. She and her roommate rented a two-bedroom house at 4999 Muir Avenue in a rough area of Ocean Beach. The neighborhood she lived in was called the War Zone. (laughs) It was well known for drugs, chaos, fights a high crime rate and cheap rent okay so this was a nickname yeah they called it the war zone it's not like okay. the neighborhood's the war zone on the brick like... entrance <laughs> <laughs> you never know it's california <laughs> i mean true so it's a nickname but the neighborhood didn't seem to bother her much michelle was a drifter she didn't own a car she lived off the grid she'd work minimum wage jobs just to barely make end meets she even boasted a butterfly tattoo <laughs> What? What did I do? Ends meet. You said end meets. End meets. <laughs> okay. I, you know, I, f- I had a feeling after I got, yeah. Okay. End meets. She would work minimum wage job. Jobs. To make ends meet. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Thanks for catching that, though, because I kind of like was like kept talking and i was like did i just say something weird i knew i did (laughs) (laughs) i do that all the time so (sighs) she even boasted a butterfly tattoo on her right shoulder to commemorate her kind of gypsy lifestyle cute michelle was happy she spent every day nearly in the ocean and locals called her a free-spirited hippie oh On the evening of April 14th, 1994, 25-year-old Michelle and her roommate, Coco Campbell, had tickets to a Pink Floyd concert. At least they thought they did. Oh, no. (laughs) When the pair arrived at the concert, they were turned away. 
only to realize that they'd purchased tickets for the wrong night. Oh, no. Super bummer. As they were on their way home, the disappointed Michelle asked Coco to drop her off at the local pier, to which Coco agreed. This was around 8 p.m. The pier was about six blocks from Michelle's home, and she was known to hang around there in the evenings. Coco would be the last person to ever see Michelle alive. Oh, no. According to Coco, Michelle was wearing a green trench coat and she was carrying a purse. The next day, two uh, surfers noticed seagulls swarming and pecking at kelp beds on the water at an area near the ocean below Sunset Cliffs. Curious, the surfers went over to see what was going on, and it was there that they tragically discovered Michelle's body. That's crazy. If I saw seagulls doing that, I'd just be like, they're just seagulling Mm, over there. Being seagulls. Being seagulls. Now, aside from bracelets, rings, and a butterfly tattoo, she was naked. She was floating face down in the water, and her eyes were wide open. Oh, gosh. Shockingly, most of her right leg was gone. Oh. So, lifeguards, police, and search and rescue quickly arrived on the scene. When the medical examiner, Robert Engel, arrived, he noted that the body had large tearing-type wounds with missing tissue. What? Yeah. And he estimated that she hadn't been in the water for very long. Engel's initial report did not specify a specific cause of death, but all involved assumed that that at least one shark, and probably many more, had mauled and dismembered the then- unidentified woman oh my gosh yeah nasty scene a former uh, i'm sorry a formal autopsy was performed on saturday april 16th two days later by san diego medical examiner brian blackburn blackburn stated that michelle von emster suffered a broken neck broken ribs her pelvis had been pulled apart by brute force, Ooh. and her face was raw with scrapes and bruises. Oh, my gosh. Uh-huh. That is brutal. Oh, it gets worse. Oh, gosh. Her right leg was sheared off mid-thigh. What is Sheared? Sheared off. Like, ripped off, basically. Wow. Shredded tissue and bone was all that was left of her mutilated butt, parts of her arms, and the remaining leg. She had severe internal bleeding and drowned. Blackburn also noted that Michelle had sand in her lungs, mouth, throat, and stomach. In other words, she was alive when all of the damage occurred. That's so sad. It's almost like you're in a burning house and they find, you know, soot in your lungs. Uh You were alive before you died. You can't inhale anything or ingest anything if If you're you're dead. dead. Yeah. So, mind you, at this time, Michelle had not been reported as missing, and her body was still unidentified. So, she was a Jane Doe at this point. So, in fact, it was Michelle's employer, Denise Knox, that identified her. Knox learned of the body of an unidentified woman with a butterfly tattoo on her shoulder from the 10 o'clock news. Michelle hadn't shown up to work for two days now. Knox immediately called the police, who put her through to the medical examiner's office. The coroner pressed Knox for personal details about the woman. But Diane Knox, or I'm sorry, Denise Knox didn't know much. Michelle was a fairly new employee. A general description wouldn't be enough to identify a body. She finally remembered that Michelle didn't shave her legs or under her arms. 
This was enough for the coroner to want Knox to ID the body. Knox refused to go in to see the actual remains, so the medical examiner took a photo of the woman's face, to which Knox immediately positively ID'd her as Michelle. That's so sad. And later, Knox recalls of the image. She looked, I don't know, peaceful. It was odd. Huh. It sounds more like terrified. Yeah. The official verdict called the death accidental. Huh? Mm-hmm. It was believed Michelle drowned that night in the aftermath of a great white shark attack. The violent shark attack forced Michelle to the ocean floor, which is where she sustained her broken neck and ingested the sand. Case closed. Lo- local law enforcement followed suit. But the community of shark experts and shark behaviorists, behaviorists, is that it? Behaviorists. Mm-hmm. And shark defenders in general refuted the autopsy findings for lack of proof. So if it wasn't a great white shark attack that killed Michelle, what was it? Rumors flew around the town. People said that Michelle dove or got pushed or accidentally tumbled to her death off Sunset Cliffs. They said that she got run over by a boat while night swimming. Or she was hit by a car and thrown into the ocean. Or maybe it was that she overdosed at a party and her body was dumped off the side of a boat. She was in a snuff film. She was high on LSD and drowned night swimming. She committed suicide. She face planted in a body surfing accident that snapped her neck. She cheated a dope dealer and he drowned her. <laughs> These are some pretty out there theories. Oh, they are. But think about where she lived. So that's why True. the dope dealer kind of made sense, right? Yeah. She was the victim of a crazy stalker and so on and so on. So we'll talk about the stalker theory here shortly. But there were more theories floating around town than one could count, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> So things start getting more suspicious as Michelle's purse was discovered by a local on the night of Friday, April 15th. It was located about a half mile north of where her body was found in the water. Inside was Michelle's driver's license, some keys, a pack of cigarettes, a pay stub, $27 cash, and some makeup. According to Denise Knox, Michelle's next to last paycheck was never recovered, nor was it ever cashed. During the day, the part of the beach where her purse was found is heavily trafficked. The purse had to have sat out in plain view all day Friday. That makes no sense. The fact that it was found with no money missing sent up no red flags among the police who investigated the case. A retired private investigator presented with this information had a different opinion. It still had money inside it, said Ben Harrell, because it hadn't been on the beach that long. And that means someone else was involved. Yeah. None of Michelle's clothing was ever recovered either. That green trench coat and whatever she had on underneath it simply vanished. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, shark experts quickly weighed in. Ralph Collier, a- expert in Pacific Coast white sharks and author of Shark Attacks in the 20th Century, had serious doubts. He said that Michelle's femur bone break was not a clean break, as custom for white shark attacks. But he said it was ripped like when you put something on a table saw. He said her femur was sharpened down to a point, which could have been caused by a boat propeller, but not a shark bite. 
In all of Ralph's years as a shark expert, he said he had never seen a bone break off at a point like that. That's weird. Also, oddly, Michelle's body did not have any white shark tooth impressions. Bite marks from blue sharks were found on Michelle's body, but they likely occurred after her death. Well, that's good at least. Which makes sense, you know? Yeah. Something else in the autopsy report bothered Collier. And he said, sand was found in her mouth, in her throat, in her nasal nasal passages, her lungs, and in her stomach. For all this to have happened in accordance with the autopsy findings, the shark would have had to have grabbed Michelle and pushed her face first into the ocean, into the ocean bottom in order for her to have ingested all of this material. He said white sharks don't do that. And in order for sand to have gotten in her lungs, Collier says she would have had to have been alive, which have been, which ha- would have been impossible if a white shark had indeed bitten off her leg. So the easiest ex- explanation here seems to be that Michelle went for a late night swim during which she got caught in a riptide and her body was violently knocked against the rocks. This is how she sustained most of her injuries. She was later fed on by blue sharks after she was dead. That sounds logical, right? What about the leg? Well, that could have been by the blue sharks. They ate it off. Even with the point? I don't know. They said that... There's a lot of stuff here that just is like, "Mm, yeah, this could happen, but what about this? You know? That's a good point. So... This theory or anything the like seems highly unlikely for the following reasons. Number one, this is a big one for me. The water temperature that evening was 59 degrees, which is way too cold for anyone to swim in. Number two, the night air was 57 degrees. Again, way too cold for a daytime swim, much less a night swim. And we know all about that San Diego water. Yes, we do. It's freezing. It is freezing. <laughs> so cold for no reason. <laughs> I mean, we were there, I want to say it was in October. Yeah. So, you know, cooling down, obviously, from summer temps. But I imagine April would be the same way. I mean, that shit was ice. Yeah, Amanda, we were talking the other day, my sister who lives in San Diego, she was saying that it's pretty cold all year round. Mm-hmm. Like, even dead in the summer, it's just really cold. I mean... 59 degree water is cold as fuck. Yeah, that's freezing. I mean, 59 degree air is cold. I can't yeah. imagine submerging my body in it. I mean, we've been in San Diego water and you know, like we could hardly even get like our ankles in. Before right. Because we were, we were like, freezing. To, our fucking feet were going to fall off. Yeah, it was. And that was cold. in the daytime. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I can't imagine anybody going for a night nice swim in that. Okay? And especially somebody who frequents the ocean. Yeah. I don't think, I think she would have that knowledge. Exactly. Exactly. Plus she was wearing a dang trench coat. Yes. And like part, probably concert apparel. I can't see her just getting well, in the ocean. Well, she was naked when she was found. I know, but I'm saying. So, and also why would you get in that freezing ass cold water naked? Right. And but my point was that she obviously wasn't dressed to go Swimming. swim, so yeah. it's weird either way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the fact that her clothes were never recovered. Yeah, see, that's, that's super weird. fishy. You would think it'd be floating in the water yeah. or something, but or attached to her somehow. Yeah, still like sharks somehow. didn't rip her clothing off of they her didn't and eat it. Delicately take her clothes off and yeah. then eat her. Yeah. So we also need to look at the theory though that she fell off a cliff and got swept into the ocean, which 
is a likely theory. Could be. The bruises and breaks most definitely could have been caused from a fall, right? But again, what was she just naked up on a cliff? Right. You know, that just doesn't make sense. So again, yes, this could happen. But how about this? You I know? wonder if her um, injuries were like synonymous with falling off a cliff, though. Because mm-hmm. especially with the leg. Yeah. Like they're saying that a boat propeller could do that, but mm-hmm. not a shark. And I really feel like hitting your foot or your leg against some rocks wouldn't do it either. Right. But I'm not. But an what expert. if you know she fell into the water and you know drowned or whatever? But ingesting the sand in her throat and stuff doesn't make sense. But like if she got hit by the boat after she was dead, yeah, that could know? happen too. So there's so many like what ifs here, right? So uh, lastly, I think a murder is a likely scenario as well, and I'll explain why. So first, she lived in an area with a very high crime rate, so mm-hmm. anything could have happened. Um, she could have pissed somebody off, you know, who knows? Um, again, you know, the neighborhood she stayed in is dubbed as the war zone, which, you know, in this case, you know, a murder, her body being naked makes the most sense yeah, in this I'm, scenario. I wonder if there was any um, signs of sexual assault at all. I feel like it would have been mentioned if there was. Yeah. Or maybe they didn't even look because they just assumed shark attack. Yeah, I just I feel like if it was a murderer, it would have to be like a sexually driven murder unless yeah. it was somebody who was just like extremely angry at her. Right, right. So, um, yeah, her body being naked makes the most sense with, you know, the murder scenario, in my opinion. And uh, again, she wouldn't have been naked when she fell off a cliff. But right. it's always possible she had, you know, taken a night swim. Um but the weather was not, it, it was not night yeah. swim weather. It doesn't seem plausible. Her being naked makes me really feel like th- there could have been signs of sexual assault, but uh-huh. they just didn't look because exactly. shark attack. Exactly. So remember Michelle's purse was found in the sand in a heavily trafficked area, and it was a good distance from where her body was found. The purse still contained her keys and money, so it would be highly unusual that no one would have spotted the purse in a 24-hour long period, right? Right. So here, I'm thinking, you know, someone could have murdered her and then planted the purse to make it look like it was an accidental death. Right. Was there even a cliff nearby? Yes. There was. Her body was found, like, just, you know, not far from um, Sunset Cliff. Got you. So... Um, now I think it's also necessary that we explore any potential murder suspects and any motive they right. may have had. So our first suspect here is a man by the name of Edwin Decker. Now Decker is a local author and he was a coworker of Michelle's. He said when he first met Michelle, he was instantly attracted to her. Now I couldn't find anything online that necessarily called him out for killing her, mm-hmm. but he was quite creepy so it kind of makes you "Mm." yeah if you're creepy there's a possibility so he claimed that he and michelle had been flirting for several weeks and that they had gone out together and had a romantic fling just two nights before her death he says there was a total intellectual connection i felt that there was an emotional connection too at least on my part there was And we also had a physical connection. He was certain that she'd call him. 
I was so bummed when a few days went by and she hadn't called. I was about to give up on the idea. When questioned, Decker claimed that Michelle had a hippie vibe and that she loved to surf naked. None of her friends agreed with this. Interesting. Uh-huh. Very interesting. And none of the lifeguards from the beach ever recalled seeing Michelle surfing or swimming naked. Right. But there also wasn't a surfboard around. Mm-hmm. However, this odd accusation that Michelle liked to surf and swim naked would have been a convenient explanation for why her body was found naked. What a weirdo. Like, okay, let's say he did murder her. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just kind of information you just don't say. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, let's say, like, you're trying not to get caught. Uh-huh. But you're sitting here giving this information that, number one, you know nobody is going to, you know, no. also say. Yeah. And you're just, God, murderers are so stupid. <laughs> well, and again, like I said, there's really no hardcore evidence that this guy did anything but it's just total creeper vibes so we'll talk a little bit more about him um so he wrote this really creepy poem after he found out that michelle was dead are you gonna read it i'm gonna read it it's a very short simple but it reads the report said there was a tattoo a butterfly on her shoulder which i remembered that night on my couch when i like the shark chewed on her <gasps> lip chewed on her lips and took off her shirt excuse the is that the weirdest shit you've ever heard that's not even no normal person would write that isn't that like the weirdest arrest shit? him <laughs> arrest him right now yeah my god that's so inappropriate when i like the shark chewed on her lips and took off her shirt oh so romantic ew so romantic so what he's saying the shark undressed her now that literally that's what i was just about to say is i guess the shark also too yeah took off her shirt and chewed on her lips right (laughs) arrest him Decker asked the San Diego Medical Examiner's Office to reevaluate the case in 2008. So answer me this. If you were the person who had gotten away with murder, you probably wouldn't want the case officially reopened, right? Or would you? I think maybe because ego and narcissism and he's like, they're just going to think it's a shark attack again, but it makes me kind of look like I'm concerned. Yeah. That it's not. Or maybe if he did do it, he wants to be find out, found out for that fame. It could also be that too. Yeah. I don't know. Makes you wonder. So uh, now we're done with the creeper and we've got suspect two. Dang, I can't think of a more guilty person. Uh-huh. So suspect two is the stalker. So all we know about the alleged stalker is that he was an older guy who rode a motorcycle. Michelle actually had to quit her job at a a coffee shop due to the stalker, according to friends. But Michelle didn't know a name and neither do any of her friends. So she left the job at the coffee shop to go work at an office supply store where she thought she could escape the stalker. Denise Knox, who is the boss of hers that identified her body Mm -hmm. stated that shortly after michelle's death a weird man who rode in on a motorcycle came into the store and made several copies of michelle's autopsy report oh 
That's super weird. That's super creepy. That's super sus. Oh, it was probably author guy and motorcycle guy were both so pissed off and they just got together and worked together. Ew, that's a theory. <laughs> <laughs> they they met at the coffee shop or right. something and they were like, oh yeah, I've slept with her and I want to sleep with her, but yeah. she won't give me the time of day. And so they just Ew. decided they were going to murder her because that's the logical thing to do. That's a, definitely a new one. I don't really think that's what <laughs> happened. But <laughs> so I read an article where the this author interviewed Harry Bonnell, MD, who is a retired San Carlos pathologist. Mm-hmm. Bonnell is listed as a witness to the autopsy, but he says he wasn't there. Huh. He says Blackburn listed him as a witness to cover his ass, basically. And he said it's policy in the case of potential homicides. He also states that Blackburn had never done an autopsy on a shark attack victim before. And that's a fact that Blackburn also did state. Bonnell says that there's no evidence in the autopsy report that says the shark attack was before death. He says there was a neck injury gotten while she was alive that could have incapacitated her. There is good evidence that she drowned and that she was alive when she went out into the water. About the sand found in her body, he says, she inhaled it. It didn't get there passively. The sand was in the bronchi. To get there, it had to have been inhaled. He said sand is never seen in the lungs of drowning victims. They are not in the bottom inhaling sand, he said. They are at the top thrashing about. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Next, he says, the fracture with the hemorrhaging. This is not what you would, would expect in the case of a shark bite. This is not common in shark attacks where a body gets shaken hard to the point of whiplash. This is something you'd see in an attack by a land animal. Huh. Bonnell points out things that interest him in the investigator's report. He says, no wrinkling of the fingers. A slight amount of wrinkling is accounted for the next day in the autopsy report, which you'd expect if she'd been in the water any length of time. I don't think she was in the water very long. I would say that she was not alive in the water for more than 30 minutes. When asked if he thinks Michelle died in the way her autopsy suggested, he answered, it could have happened if she was at the bottom and couldn't get away. It's possible, but it's not probable. Currently, the global shark attack file does not recognize Von Emster's accident as a fatal shark attack so basically all the experts agree that this was not a shark attack i don't know anything about shark attacks but i wouldn't have thought that that would have been a shark attack i think it was easy breezy case closed bye which is sad Mm -hmm. so juicers uh my question to you is what do you think happened to michelle von emster Alyssa, what do you think happened um, I definitely don't think it's a shark attack. I think she was probably mauled after death. Yeah, I think so too. I think the most damning evidence, there's two, is the her not wearing clothes mm-hmm. and then her having sand in her lungs because they're saying that, you know, if she was drowning, she wouldn't have been at the bottom she would have been at the top thrashing around or whatever. Exactly. Makes me wonder if somebody's like shoving her face in the sand and she's like trying to get away and breathing it in. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. did they find water in her lungs? I uh, just sand is what I read. 
So it was in her nose. It was in her throat. It was in her lungs. It was in her stomach. See, that's so weird because that you've mentioned a few times they said something about drowning, but never once mentioned water in her lungs, only yeah. sand. Yeah. So I would think she had to have died from not drowning from somebody on the beach attacking her and throwing her in. Yeah. yeah. But then the whole thing about her injury that one specific one looked like something from a land animal well he just said that the particular injury doesn't happen with shark attacks it would be more likely to happen with a land animal so um basically saying like he did not believe it was a shark that did it so i mean it could have been a human that did it but it's not something that happens with sharks well, I think possibly she was attacked on the beach. That's what I think, too, because... And she was thrown in the water, probably dead or dying, mm-hmm. and uh, was mauled by sharks after. That's what I think, too. So... Yeah. But how did the leg get as bad off as it was if they're saying it was not well, if she wasn't, a great white? Or if she wasn't even in the water for that long? Um... Uh, it would be kind of weird for a boat propeller to do that to her, too. Yeah. You know? There's so many questions. And, or also, uh, if she fell off a cliff and into the water, she'd had to have been there for a long time in the water, too. But think about, too, like, all of her injuries to her face and her pelvis and her neck being broken and, you know, just... It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. Wow. I really hate that they can't figure that one I out. I mean, it, it like, again, it sounds easy. Shark attack. Case closed. You know? It doesn't, but, though, because there's so many, like, just but the I'm clothes saying, like, alone. Yeah, but, like, to the community. You know what I mean? Well, the community was like, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, that is not what happened. Yeah. Yeah. God, that's so, so sad. I've, I've not heard that story, so. Well, I'm glad you haven't heard it. I'm glad I could tell something new. Oh, God. Okay. Well, that's it, guys. We'll be back. And we're back, guys. Hi. For part two. Part two. So, I am covering, as you can see in the title the wendigo brooke you said you've never heard of this before right i don't think so so uh first i'm going to cite my sources which i used legendsofamerica.com and all that's interesting all that's interesting.com jeez Mm -hmm. um so i first heard of the wendigo when i was a very little girl and my dad had been a boy scout then an eagle scout and he was a scout leader or whatever i don't really know how it works but um when he was 12 years old uh you know they tell spooky ghost stories at the fire and uh, they told the story of the wendigo and i was telling brooke all this earlier but my dad's a pretty fearless man um not much scares him I don't really know if anything does, <laughs> but um, the Wendigo scared him. Um, he was 12 when he first heard the story, so, I mean, like, I get it. But he said even now when um, he's kind of outside alone and, um, you know, he hears the wind in the trees or whatever, it spooks him. So I asked my dad 
if he would write a um like write out a the campfire story mm-hmm. that he was told and he did so i just kind of want to read it as like a to i guess just to begin this I know a campfire story that scared the shiznit out of me when I was a kid. Really? What was I it? Bloody Bones. Bloody Bones. That sounds familiar. And my papa used to tell us when we were kids, every time we'd be camping, we camped a lot, and it scared the hell out of me. Bloody Bones. I'm like yeah. the era. Yeah. We'll have to get papa to tell it one day. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. All Bloody right. Bones. Let's hear about Wendigo. So my dad wrote... I was told the story of a night creature, fierce and ferocious, who craved the flesh of humans. He could be heard like the wind in the treetops as it circled around looking for whom it may devour. With a loud and dreadful screech or a soft swiftness of a breeze, it would swoop down upon its victims and whisk them away. It was a faintly glowing creature, an apparition almost, with eyes as the embers of a dying campfire. Your dad has a way with words. He really does. Wow. <laughs> he really does. As you stood in the forest or in the fields, you could hear it in the treetops like a rustling wind circling, circling, and circ- circling, patiently waiting for the moment. Its presence indicated by the absence of the hooting owl or the chirping cr- crickets. The bobwhite would cease its call and the, oh, I don't know how to pronounce this bird. It's like a uh, whippoorwill. Uh-huh. Yeah whippoorwill uh-huh and the whippoorwill would be silenced only the rustling of the wind in the treetops can be heard this creature the wendigo would shy away from campfires and lurk in the woods until the last embers died out then stealthily or violently it would swoop upon its victim he only hunted in the dark of night as light was his enemy many campsites have been found with no one present it was as if the campers simply left leaving behind all of their gear. Mm. Other times, campsites would be found in shambles with tents and tarps, pots and pants, and sleeping bags strewn over or strewn about for no apparent reason, as if some violent event had suddenly struck the campers without warning. Mm, makes me wonder if those people on that mountain that were skiing got sucked away by the whipper or the whipper The, whipper. <laughs> <laughs> the Wendigo. Maybe. You remember Ditlov Pit? Ditlov pass or yeah whatever. yeah i know what you're talking about i can't remember what's didn't you cover diet it? love diet love pet. yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. well their bodies were found though oh yeah yeah in weird ways right yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. as the last of the campfire embers faded into blackness and the smoldering remnants remained the wendigo with its horrible hunger would claim its victims Survivors would tell of tent mates being swiftly and violently pulled from their tent in the dark of night by some mysterious force never to be seen again. Other times, the tent mate would be slowly pulled from the tent as the survivor watched in horror as inch by inch the victim is pulled slowly and meticulously to vanish and never be seen again. Oh my god. (laughs) Sometimes a horrific and terrifying screech would be accompanied by chaotic destruction that would echo through the forest as the creature showed no mercy for those he sought. So should you ever find yourself in the woods and you hear the treetops rustle and it seems as if the wind is circling around you, beware. Listen for the hoot owl. Listen for the crickets and the frogs. Listen for the bobwhite or the whippoorwill. If these night animals sing their song, it is only the wind that you hear. 
But if there is wind and the trees and the forest is silent, build up your campfire and diligently tend to its flames, lest you find yourself a victim of the Wendigo. Wow. So imagine hearing that at 12. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it was scary. It sounded like a whole, like, uh, he should have written, like, horror stories. Yeah, that's not my dad's thing, but <laughs> but he's a really was, great writer. I was about to say that was well written. Very well written, yeah. I know he's actually spent a while on that because I asked him like two hours in advance and I think he spent the whole time writing it. So yeah, he's very, very good at writing. So um, I also want to start out with a quote from Basil Johnston, who is an Ojibwe teacher and scholar in Ontario, Canada. Mm -hmm. The Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation. It's um, desiccated skin pulled tautly over its bones, with its bones pushing out against its skin. Its complexion, the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets. The Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody. Its body was unclean and suffering from um, superations of the flesh giving off a strange and eerie odor of decay and decomposition of Eek. death and corruption. Yuck. So, the Wendigo. The Wendigo. So, Wendigos are said to live in the north woods of Minnesota, mm. the forests of the Great Lake region, and the central regions of Canada. Mm. They are malevolent beings with human characteristics. They're also described as a spirit who has possessed a human being, which makes them take on the form of a monster. Mm -hmm. They're associated with cannibalism, murder, and insatiable greed, and cultural taboos against these behaviors. Mm -hmm. Wendigos are known by a few different names, such as, obviously, the Wendigo, the Wittigo, the Wittico, and Wittigo. Each of these names loosely translates to the evil spirit that devours mankind. Hate it. <laughs> Wendigos are known amongst the Algonquian, the um, or the Algonquian Ojibwe, the Eastern Cree, Salto, West Main Swampy Cree, Nascopi, and Innu peoples. They describe the Wendigo as a giant. Um, that are many times bigger than a human. And the description of a Wendigo varies from culture to culture, but the main characteristics are the same. The Wendigo is a malevolent, cannibalistic, supernatural creature that is associated with the winter, the north, famine, cold temperatures, and starvation. The Algonqui describes the Wendigo as a giant with a heart of ice, Sometimes it is thought to be entirely made of ice. Its body is skeletal and deformed with missing lips and toes. Mm -hmm. The Ojibwe describe it as, It was a large creature as tall as a tree with a lipless mouth and jagged teeth. Its breath was a strange hiss. Its footprints full of blood and it ate any man, woman, or child who ventured into its territory. And those were the lucky ones. Sometimes the Wendigo chose to possess a person instead, and then the luckless individual became a Wendigo himself, 
hunting down those he had once loved and feasting upon their flesh. So, Wendigos are thought to be created when a human has to resort to cannibalism to survive. And this was not a super uncommon thing that happened when settlers and Indians became stranded in the snow and ice. So, they would feast upon their fallen frozen brothers because they had to survive. Mm -hmm. Another version is that humans who become extremely greedy and gluttonous might become possessed with a wendigo. In other stories, the wendigo is a concept rather than a physical form. I guess kind of like a cautionary tale that alludes to greed and gluttony like, you know, Krampus and... That's scary. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry Hold guys, on. you might hear my garage opening. My stepdaughter's coming to pick up some things. <laughs> Jeez. I only know it was her because I literally just glanced at my phone and my security camera saw something. Yeah. Ansley said she was coming, too. Oh, yeah. She did say that. So, um, the Wendigo is also described amongst Native Americans as a huge spirit being over 15 feet tall that was once a human, but had been transformed into a monster by magic. There are many different descriptions of a Wendigo, but mostly they're described as having glowing eyes, long yellowed fangs, having claws, and overly long tongues. They have yellowish skin or described as being covered with matted hair, which, ew. Ew. And in some stories, the Wendigo has the face of a stag, while in others, it has the monstrous human-like face. A lot of times, it's described as having antlers. So just a very special spooky moose mm-hmm. not only is this a horrifying looking creature but it also has a number of skills including stealth being near a perfect hunter knows and utilizes every inch of its territory and can control the weather by using dark magic Ooh. they're also gluttons and emaciated from starvation it also has the ability to mimic human voices which Ew. it uses to lure people to do or to it and away from civilization. And then once they're isolated, the Wendigo attacks. Um, something's talking to me through the woods. I'm not walking towards it. Same. <laughs> Same. I wonder if it kind of has a, uh, but I don't know, like if, if, if you heard me in the woods, but yeah. it was like distinctly me. Yeah. You'd probably yeah. venture out there. True. But if it was some random voice, yeah. probably called 911. Um, so the Algonquian people resort reported a large number of people going missing during the turn of the 20th century. The wind, uh, the Wendigo was thought to have been the source of this. Thus, it got the name of Spirit of Lonely Places. Um, Wendigos are said to be cursed to wander about the land looking to fill their never-ending hungry bellies. If they don't find anything to eat, they die. It also, it's also said that the Wendigo grows in proportion to the size of whoever it ate, which is the cause of its insatiable hunger. Mm. So, this giant monstrous moose is never not hungry. Yeah. Even after it eats, it's just starving and if it doesn't eat it or it dies 
So there's also a modern medical term called Wendigo psychosis. Really? Yes. Which is obviously derived from the legend of the Wendigo. Because it's a syndrome where a person has an intense craving for human flesh and a fear of becoming a cannibal. What? So two very like contradicting things. Yeah. Well, so- bro, do you want to <laughs> eat human flesh or not? <laughs> like, p- pick one and stick with it. <laughs> I don't want to be a cannibal, but I want to eat human flesh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, This psychosis is said to occur mainly in people living around the Great Lakes of Canada and the U.S. It usually developed in the winter when people became isolated because of the snow. Symptoms are having a poor appetite, nausea, and vomiting, which just seems like a lot of different things. The person then developed a delusion of becoming a Wendigo. These people tend to see others as edible while also having an intense fear of becoming a cannibal. Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) All right. I mean, I guess I get it. Like, if I started craving human flesh, I would be scared. I would be a cannibal. Right. Yeah. Gross. So, um, there is an article I read from Sciendo.com. Um, And this is just an exact, I just took it straight from there. Um, So this is not my words. This Mm -hmm. comes from that article. Mm -hmm. So the most known cases of the dysfunction concern Swift Runner and Jack Fiddler. Um, In the 20th century, the incident rate of Wendigo psychosis was suddenly decreased as a result of following more developed civilization patterns by Northern Algonquian. The Hunter Plains Cree from Alberti, known as Swift Runner, is held as a classical case of Wendigo psychosis. During the winter season in 1878, a series of tragic events took place. Due to the permanent hunger, the oldest um, descendant of the, tra- of the trapper from Alberti died. The next day, a mother and five children, being close to a food um, repository in Hudson's Bay, were suddenly attacked. The culprit was a father and a husband, Swift Runner. The murder was committed for the cannibalistic purpose. Because of the murder background, which was a short distance to the food supply, and losing all members of the family, the man was diagnosed with Wendigo psychosis. And then he was sentenced to death in Fort Saskatchewan. I don't know how to pronounce that. Saskatchewan. It looks like Saskatchewan. But I don't know. Um, so Jack Fiddler was an OG Cree boss and a medicine-related professional. He was believed to have supernatural powers of defeating Wendigos. Hmm. It often resulted in a death of the person, though, <laughs> suffering from the disease. In 1907, together with his brother Joseph, he was arrested by the police for a murder. Jack committed suicide while Joseph died in a prison before the pardon had been granted. Someone showing signs of Wendigo psychosis was attempted to be cured by traditional native healers. But if these attempts at healing the person didn't work out and the person started threatening people around them or acting out violently or antisocially, they were executed. 
So if they couldn't save them from the Wendigo, they just killed them. Wow. Yeah. So, um, a 1661 J-suit relations document stated, What caused this greater concern was the intelligence that met us upon entering the lake, namely that the men deputed by our conductor for the purpose of summoning the nations to the North Sea and assigning them a rendezvous where they were to await our coming had met their death the previous winter in a very strange manner. Those poor men, according to the report given to us, were seized with an ailment unknown to us, but not very unusual among the people we were seeking. They are afflicted with neither lunacy hypochondria nor frenzy but have a combination of all these species of disease which affects their imaginations and causes them a more than canine hunger this makes them so ravenous for human flesh that they pounce upon women children and even upon men like veritable werewolves and devour them voraciously without being able to appease or glut their appetite ever seeking fresh prey and the more greedily the more they eat this ailment attacked our deputies and as death is the sole remedy among those simple people for checking such acts of murder they were slain in order to stay the course of their madness so wow (laughs) it's a lot damn wendigo So, most of the Wendigo sightings happened between the 1800s and 1920s, and reports of the creature have been few and far between since then. Good. They're dead. (laughs) But the most recent report uh, was in 2019, when someone heard mysterious howls in the Canadian wilderness. A hiker who heard the howling said, I've heard many different animals in the wild, but nothing like this. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there is a folk story, um, that was collected in the early, early 20th century by, um, I'm going to butcher this name, so I'm going to go ahead and apologize, by Lottie Chikagawa Marsden, um, who was an ethnographer of the... Chippewas of Roma First Nation, um, in which a Wendigo also exhibits tool use and ability to survive partial dismemberment and auto cannibalism. <laughs> so this is like the folk story I'm about to say. One time long ago, a big Wendigo stole an Indian boy, but the boy was too thin, so the Wendigo didn't eat him up right away. But he traveled with the um, Indian boy, wait, wait. Okay, yes, but he traveled with the Indian boy waiting for him till he'd get fat. The Wendigo had a knife and he'd cut the boy on the hand to see if he was fat enough to eat, but the boy didn't get fat. They traveled too much. One day they came to an Indian village and the Wendigo sent the boy to the Indian village to get some things for him to eat. He just gave the boy so much time to go there and, and back. The boy told the Indians that the Wendigo was near them and showed them his hand where the Wendigo cut him to see if he was fat enough to eat. They heard the Wendigo calling the boy. He said to the boy, hurry up, don't tell lies to those Indians. All of these Indians went to where the Wendigo was and cut off his legs. 
they went back again to see if he was dead. He was not dead. He was eating the juice from the inside of the bones of his legs that were cut off. The Indians asked the Wendigo if there was any fat on them, and he said, You bet there is. I have eaten lots of Indians. No wonder they are fat. The Indians then killed him and cut him to pieces. The end of this giant Wendigo. So, there are stories. Obviously, I mean, this one is like a folk story or whatever, but... I mean, people really thought Didn't these were real. Yeah. And yeah. So whether the Wendigo is real or not, it spooked enough people for there to be lakes named after the ghoul. Really? Including Lake Wendigo in Minnesota and Wendigo Lake in Wisconsin. Hmm. So. That's I don't know. Mega creepy. I mean, obviously, I don't think that Wendigos exist, but. I mean, something I've been spooking. I mean, there's Bigfoot and and Loch Ness Monster, and who's to say there's not a Wendigo? Who knows? Who knows? It makes me scared. A little bit. I actually, like, I don't believe in it, but then if I go into a forest by myself or with other people, I'm just like, who knows (laughs) what can happen? (laughs) I mean, seriously, I do feel that way. Yeah. But yeah, the Wendigo has always spooked my dad, and then... Mm -hmm. um, when he finally told me, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, that's one of those things you hear as a kid and it, like, traumatizes you for life. It sticks with you for, yeah, like, yeah. so I don't think anything happens if you do Bloody Mary in the in the mirror. Right. But I still get scared. Like, sometimes I'll look in the mirror and I'll just think, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody And I'm like, oh, no, my God, stop. Why am I doing this? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, so... I think that's pretty a pretty interesting story. That is an interesting story. I have not heard of that thing. I hope I never get to encounter it. <laughs> yeah, I think we all felt that way. Just don't become a glutton or greedy, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, um, thank you guys for listening. And um, Scotty will probably tell me later, I didn't really like your story this week. Oh, my gosh. But maybe he will. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Um, um I, I think you guys next week, if we have time, I think we're going to do a listener juice. It is beyond that time. And I was just telling Alyssa, I think I ca- saw a couple more stories come through. Mm-hmm. So I think we're ready. Yay. So um, as always, though, you know what? You've got stories you want us to tell. Your true crime, your personnel. 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 What am I? <laughs> your personal true crime <laughs> or paranormal paranormal stories. Shoot us an email so we can read them on air. At don't drink the Jones juice. Well, don't at. It's just don't drink the Jones juice at gmail.com. Yeah. Do it. And you can also follow our Facebook group. Uh, for God's sake, don't drink the Jones juice. You can follow our Instagram and TikTok at don't drink the Jones juice. And you can buy our merch at storefrontier.com slash don't drink the Jones juice. Oh, speaking of, God, I cannot remember who it was. Oh, I do remember now. It was uh, one of my clients, a girl named Tiffany. Mm -hmm. She was telling me um, last week when I pierced her that she's bought several of our shirts lately. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, I guess we should probably get on there and see because we like never. We never get on there. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, heck yeah, girl. Thanks. So yeah. Thanks, Tiffany. Yeah. We need to come up with more designs to put on there because we're really, really slacking and they have so many new um they have like clothing or leggings now joggers yeah they have a lot of new stuff so baseball tees 
Maybe, ooh, maybe I'll get on there tonight and check it out. Yeah. I've looked at it, but I just, we need to come up with something new. Design. Yeah. Faux show. Yeah. Um, but as always, for God's sake, don't drink the Jones juice.